Hello, my name is Nelson Landry. I am a DPhil student at the Oriental Institute in Oxford, and this is a short introductory lecture to the works of a figure central to my own research, the 7th century Buddhist scholar monk Dao Xuan, and more broadly, to fantasy in the medieval Chinese context. Dao Xuan is best known in East Asia for his works on the monastic codes known as Vinaya, given that he commented and promoted a set of regulations still applied today in China and Japan. The ties between this monk and the fantasy genre are at first a bit obscure, but today I hope to bring some associations to light. Of interest to us in terms of Chinese fantasy literature, a genre I will speak more about later, is Dao Xuan's late turn in the, uh, sorry, his late turn to the compilation of narratives related to the fantastic, called Buddhist Miracle Tales. I will begin with an introduction to Dao Xuan and his work, which will in turn allow us to better understand miracle tale authors and their audience. This will lead, perhaps tangentially, to the question of what we mean here by fantasy, ending with examples of later so-called Chinese fantasy literature, followed by some concluding remarks. To begin, a short preamble on the scholar-monk Dao Xuan. His life, as it is recounted in medieval Buddhist histories, presents the modern reader with a Janus-faced figure. He is on the one hand a learned abbot and a commentator on the monastic codes, while on the other hand he is a pious pilgrim who converses with celestial beings, as well as an unflinching believer in the religious efficacy of cult objects. He is, in a sense, part religious disciplinarian and part wonder worker, two categories that according to present-day rationalist sensibilities do not marry well together. However, this was not an issue in medieval China, where miracles were objects of awe, not doubt, so that the people would most likely have taken the miracles associated to Daoshuan as the fruits of his Buddhist practice and piety. Daoshuan was born in 596 in Chang'an, present-day Xi'an, in the northwest of China, and died in 667. This period coincides with the Sui and early Tang dynasties, two periods of great literary innovation and development, among other things. Daoshuan came from a wealthy family of southerners, was educated in the classics, and by the age of nine could supposedly compose lyrical verse called Fu. At 15 years old, so his biography claims, he became weary of worldly affairs, took to reading and reciting Buddhist scriptures, finally leaving his family to join a monastic order in Chang'an. The rest of his life would be guided by his drive to promote Buddhism, a creed originally from India in China, as he sought to reform monastic codes so as to further the purposes of the Buddhist community. He studied under different masters of monastic discipline, traveling the country to learn from them and to visit sacred sites. In the mid-7th century, he even assisted in the translation of scriptures alongside the renowned Chinese pilgrim Xuanzang, better known as Tripitaka in the popular 16th century dramatization of his own travels to the western regions, called the Journey to the West, Shiyoji, or Monkey, as is the title of Arthur Whaley's popular 1942 translation. He was both a prominent monk serving as abbot in the town capital, as well as a hermit figure, retreating to the Zhongnan Mountains south of Chang'an to do much of his thinking and editing. Later in life, he resided in an hermitage in the mountains, where he compiled Buddhist histories and apologia, 
as well as recorded his latter-day interviews with celestial beings who revealed to him points of doctrine and history. He composed a dozen works later in life related to the miraculous. Of interest to us today is a work of uh, his called the Collected Record of Miracles relating to the three jewels in China, the Jishenzhou Sanbao Canton Lu, which I will call the Record of Miracles for short. It is a compilation of miracle tales drawn from varied sources, recounting stories of Buddhism's miraculous efficacy in China from the 3rd to the late 7th century. The structure of the text is modeled after the three jewels of Buddhism, the Triratna, or in Chinese, Sanbao, classifying narratives according to how they represent the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, that is, stories that take place on Chinese soil about the Buddhas, the Buddha's teachings, and the monastic community. The Record of Miracles is a collection of 150 itemized miracle tales. It was written with the purpose of presenting its audience with examples of how normal existence can be turned upside down in an instant. In Chinese traditional belief, normal existence, what is called the seen realm, is only an overlay to an unseen realm, a world inhabited by supernormal beings unrestrained by the limitations of the seen realm. The Record of Miracles was therefore a collection of tales recounting how supernormal and extraordinary events were caused by Buddhist agents, be they monks, relics, images, pagodas, or scriptures. These narratives include visits to the Buddhist hell realms, usually the result of a premature death, after which the protagonist returns to his body with renewed religious zeal. There are tales of miracles produced by Buddhist images, uh, such as moving, walking, and sometimes flying. Pagodas might emit rainbows that shoot up into the clouds, and monks might receive fortuitous visits from a benevolent spirit, as was the case in Daoshan's own biography, when he was passed on knowledge from the unseen realm. The Record of Miracles presents a world where holy monasteries appear out of the mist, and wonder-working monks boggle the minds of onlookers with their supernormal powers. Just as Moses appeased the pharaoh. Uh, in Exodus, by turning Aaron's staff into a snake, so the Sogdian monk Kang Songhui pleased Sun Quan, the ruler of Wu, by making relics appear in a bowl. The story goes that when Sun Quan tested the authenticity of this relic by burning and then by hammering it, the relic could not be destroyed. The record of miracles states that he was impressed by this miraculous object. And therefore, Sun Quan uh, would have established one of the first monastic communities in southern China uh, at the Jianchu Monastery. The story continues um, with Sun Hao, the grandson of Sun Quan and the last tyrannical ruler of Wu, who would have tested Kang Sung Hui's relic, which, as before, was left unaffected. Sun Hao, ever the irreverent heretic, would later have taken a holy image of the Buddha to place it in the, in the latrine. On the Buddha's birthday, instead of offering the image the customary ablutions, he wished the Buddha many happy returns and urinated on it. His privates immediately began to swell and burn, so that he became very ill. Only when one of Sun Quan's uh, servants recommended that he clean the image and present it with proper offerings did the swelling stop. Now, in this story, we note themes common throughout all miracle tales, uh, the miraculous power of cult objects, that is, the indestructible relics, 
uh, the ties between monastics and royalty, Kang Songhui and his private interviews with the Wu rulers, uh, and karmic retribution, Sun Hao's suffering after his improper behavior towards the Buddha image. Dao Shiren's selection of texts also represent certain tropes that would later translate to other non-Buddhist genres, such as the prosaic tales of anomalies, Zhiguai, and the more elaborate Tang Dynasty tales, um, sorry, the Tang Dynasty tales of the strange, the Chuan Qi. Literary tropes, such as visits to Buddhist hells in tandem with return from death stories, would become common narratives borrowed by Chinese authors in the Tang and beyond. Karmic retribution, for example, is a constant in Chinese literature. Another example is how Buddhist monks or nuns and their association to wonderworking still appear as wonder workers in Chinese fiction to this day. Just as the records of the Western regions, the Datang Shiriji by Xuanzang that I mentioned before, would later become the basis for one of the four great classics of Chinese literature, Journey to the West, the Shiyouji. So the tales that Dao Shen compiled would become the source of inspiration of fantasy authors for centuries to come. At this point, it is essential to note that Dao Shen was not a fantasy author, and that miracle tales were not an early form, form of fantasy fiction. They were, if anything, proto-fantasy, and that in content only. I mentioned Dao Shen and these tales because his compilations and the tales themselves would greatly influence later fictional works. Fantasy did not develop the same in China as it did in the West. In Western literature, the supernatural, or the supernormal, and the fantastic, as their association with the term fantasy suggests, are conceived mainly from the angle of creative perception, the projection of the author's vision, rather than from that of the reality represented. According to Tsetan Todorov, the supernatural and the fantastic may be differentiated according to the reader's perception, as well as the author's perception. Underlying the supernatural is a belief in its reality, and if the reader accepts it as real, then it is based in belief and not considered fantasy. The miracle tale was not trying to entertain or baffle its readers, as Glenn Dudbridge the late Shaw professor of Chinese at Oxford said about these tales, uh, it is a literature of record, not a fantasy and creative fiction. In fact, during the early Tang, the concept of fiction did not yet exist, and the act of writing was, to a certain extent, always done for the purpose of recording perceived fact. Unlike other early anomaly accounts, or the Tang tales of the strange, which were secular in their outlook, Miracle tales were genuinely believed by practitioners to be records of confirming evidence, proofs, signs, or else of responses validating their beliefs. Fiction, however, became an acceptable literary practice during the Tang Dynasty. As a matter of fact, one of the earliest examples of Chinese fiction is the linked verse on the stone tripod by Han Yu, a 9th century high official who famously petitioned against the imperial support of Buddhism. The highly traditionalist ancient text, or Guwen movement, of the Tang also, contrary to what one might expect from a conservative literary movement, pushed away from literature of fact and began to touch on fiction and fantasy. This continued throughout the Tang, and as 
many of these Buddhist miracle tales were weaved into longer, more elaborate narratives. These were no longer the histories recorded by pious monks, but the whimsical jottings of literati and retired officials. Jumping ahead over 1,000 years, perhaps the best-known example of this interweaving of narratives is the Strange Tales from a Chinese Studio, the Liao Jai Zhiyi, by the 17th century literatus Pu Songling, a collection of about 500 stories of the strange, which were first published posthumously in 1766. This large collection, written in highly elliptical classical language, recounts the stories of sexual encounters with fox spirits, possession stories, supernormal encounters with demons, uh, ultimately a development on the aforementioned Tang Dynasty miracle tales, anomaly accounts, and tales of the strange. However, Pu Songning writes in his preface that these were stories that he fabricated, inspired by what he himself had seen or heard, and what tales his friends might have passed on to him. To give one example of the many tales related to Buddhism in the Liao Chai Jiri, uh, I will mention the Purple Lotus Buddhist, the story of Ding Xiu Tsai, who was ill and died. He then traveled down to the Buddhist hells only to return from death, claiming that he was enlightened. He then called on a monk to debate with him about scriptures, correcting the monk on different points of doctrine. However, Ding was still ill, so he called for Dong Shang Shu, a scholar of broad learning, to come and cure him. On his way, Dong Shang Shu was chastised by a celestial figure in the form of an old lady, who said that she had bad blood with Ding Xiu Tsai, whom she addresses as the Purple Lotus Buddhist, and that he should not be cured. When Dong Shang Shu recounts this to Ding Xiu Tsai, Ding accepts that this is his fate, his karma, and he dies on the spot. These narratives related to the Buddhist hells and to karma, so popular in miracle tale collections such as Daoshan's Record of Miracles, are repeated throughout the Liao Chai Jiri. And we can see how by the 7th, uh, 17th century, the miracle tale genre had certainly left its imprint on the Chinese psyche. In contemporary literature, the closest and certainly the most popular fantasy subgenre would be the romantic tales of the Knights Errant, Wu Xia. These are romance tales of warriors who gain supernormal powers by their mastery of the martial arts. These stories have made it to the big screen, with iconic scenes of fighters flying through bamboo groves in King Hu's A Touch of Zen, or the gravity-defying acrobatics in the year uh, 2000 production of Wang Dulu's wuxia novel, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Miracle tale tropes are diffused throughout these stories, so much so that they have simply become part of the fabric that makes up Chinese fantasy literature. While the fantasy genre and its many subgenres have developed in China, genuine recounting of fantastic tales have not necessarily gone away. For example, the Chinese language press, both in the Midland and in Hong Kong, regularly recount extraordinary phenomena, sometimes human, sometimes not. To mention only one instance, in August 2004, the Hong Kong press provided a description of a man discovered in a remote part of the Chinese countryside, whose entire body was densely covered in hair. Today, stories like these abound and reveal to us, if anything, that the line between fantasy and accounts of the supernormal, such as miracle tales, 
is perhaps the line drawn between belief and disbelief. To conclude, today I have spoken of the scholar monk Dao Shen, whose own biography reads more like a legend than a history. I've also mentioned the miracle tale genre, as well as the fantasy genre, and some of its subgenres. We have looked at what constitutes fantasy in the Chinese context, and how intent is central to the process. Finally, today I have shown how Buddhist themes are a constant in Chinese fantasy, and that by the influence of Daoshan's compilations of miracle tales, he and others like him have helped shape the ever-changing landscape of fantasy literature in China.